CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Siemens Smart Grid. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sun Joke All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sun Joke All. Very good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. As always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for the show as hashtag mobility. Today's topic is leveraging mobility to achieve wellness care. And our guests for today's show are Afan Wahid, who's the Executive Director, Application Development with Mercy Health. Good morning, Afan. How are you? I'm doing good, sir. How are you today? Oh, could not be better. Life is very good. So business doing okay for you? Oh, yes, sir. Healthcare is booming. Very good. And we have Bert Rees, who is the Senior Vice President and CIO of Centara Healthcare. Good morning, Bert. How are you? Good morning, Sanjay. How are you, sir? How's Virginia Beach treating you? Very well. Nice, nice and warm and sunny for us today. Thank you. Great. And now, uh, you know, the topic actually comes from uh, the idea that there are so many people who are uh, thinking about personal health and also about losing weight and overall their their wellness. Now, when we, we started looking at that and connecting our topics to the real life, we also thought about mobility because that's also literally being utilized by everyone around us. So how about connecting the two and instead of going to uh, a healthcare institute, not taking business away from you, but essentially if you do more of wellness care, then you'll have uh, you know better lives for people overall. But is that possible? What is being done regarding that? So, so to that, the first question, I'd like to ask you, Fawn, that with healthcare costs going through the roof and prevention is typically better than the cure, do you think the organizations, may it be healthcare organization or even a corporation or insurance companies, everybody coming together to actually focus on wellness care as a priority? So first of all, I'd like to start by saying that the, the cost of healthcare is a real problem. I mean, with the per capita cost approaching 9,000 and our total healthcare cost in America uh, you know, going a little over $3 trillion a year, you know, at 18 to 20% of GDP, this is a significant issue. And the easiest way to bring the cost down is to focus on wellness. Now, with as much as money as we're throwing at it, when we look at a list of healthy nations, we're not, we're not ranking very high. So to bring the cost down, I think the easiest way to approach this is to focus on wellness care. We do see uh, a kind of a revised vision, and, and we do see wellness became, uh, becoming a, a focal point and gaining momentum. But the, the, the cost not being sustainable is a reason why we have a focus on, on wellness. People are moving towards healthy choices, and that will be uh, a major factor in bringing the cost down. So, Bert, in your view, if this trend is something that you're finding, do you think people are putting the money where their mouth is? I think we have uh, more a socio-political um, issue involved, and, yeah, and I, I agree with FN. The GMP, you know, it's about 18%, healthcare is about 18% of the gross national product, and as the boomers age in, it'll creep closer to 22 23%. That's not good for any economy. I mean, you don't want to have, you don't want to have a, a 25% of your GMP based on some sort of services uh, type industry, especially healthcare. The problem, of course, is that the reimbursement, doesn't incent the healthcare industry to take care to, to keep people well. 
we are in the break-fix type of business. We are in the sick care business, not really the health care business. And you're seeing, and, and, it's a, and, it's a, and, and both parties, both the Democrats and, and Republicans, struggle with it. Uh, but it's, it's really hard to turn this aircraft carrier uh, from a reimbursement model. You see the introduction of accountable care organizations where you start to share risk. You see some, you see some things coming in from CMS about the readmission rates where they're trying to improve the quality of care. Uh, but the incentives are not in place for the, for the providers to be paid to keep people well. One of our revenue sanctuaries as an industry, whether we like it or not, is the emergency department. I mean, you know, we get, we get paid very well in emergency admits, and, and, and we do have the technology and we do have the methods to keep people out of the ED, but because the reimbursement's not there, I think it's a problem. What's your reaction so, uh, Afan, based on what you just mentioned, uh, Bert, Afan, don't you think that healthcare, of course, you know, there's a conflict of interest almost to say, I'm going to let go of money from my pocket just because I want to see wellness in people. And then, of course, uh, Bert mentioned about sociopolitical issue. How about the other organizations, which could be the healthcare, which pays the claims, and also individuals and their respective employers? you know, step up and, and say, let us take the lead, and then perhaps that is where this is going to happen. Otherwise, we can keep moaning about the situation that we have in hand, and it will not deliver the end result. Uh, this is Bert again. I think, I, think that, uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think if the employers would step up and the insurance companies would step up, but you've got to remember the biggest, pro- the biggest payer we have is the federal government, both in Medicare and Medicaid. And so they sort of set the trend. And you saw them do that with, you know, EMR adoption and anything else that they want to try to incent. They usually do it through the, the Medicare program. And so I think they've just got to sort of set the pace. And, and as they do, I think, I, think the other, uh, I think the employers and the other big payers will as well. So, so Afan, do you think today, while we talk about wellness care and we did look at what the landscape looks like, do we in the first place have a common definition across the board of what wellness care should include in or exclude at what time, at what point health care kicks in and wellness uh, care is, is you know, they're, they're, these are the boundaries? So to put the political definition of what wellness is, I, I kind of, you know, go back to the President's Council of Physical Fitness and Sports and uh, the, the two gentlemen from Arizona State University define wellness as a multidimensional state of being describing existence of positive health in an individual exemplified <laughs> okay. by quality life. Now, I don't get anything out of that. I mean, I don't understand what that meant. But what I would like to emphasize on that there cannot be one definition of wellness. You know, when you put the, the, the political uh, banter aside, the, the reality is that there are multi, multiple dimensions to wellness, and, and, and wellness means something totally different for uh, a, a person with multiple uh, health issues compared to somebody who is living a very active and fit lifestyle. In my humble opinion, the common definition of wellness is based on what a particular health provider's assessment is for an individual based on you know, his or her conditions. And then we need to be able to measure and monitor this. We need to provide our, our consumers the ability to track basic things like their body mass index, like their blood pressure and blood sugar levels, and be able to trend this over time to see how they're doing and give them targets. So there's no one definition of wellness, but the, the provider and the, and the consumers of healthcare need to come together to define wellness for themselves. This is very interesting. Yeah, go ahead. 
Bert. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with with that. And that's 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 dead on. I think there, I think it's a discussion between the provider and the patient as to what the definition of wellness is for that particular person. So, I mean, I know in our in our in our situation, we used to use a short form thirty six, which which where a patient describes to himself and to the provider what he thinks his state of wellness is. But then I think I think it's a discussion. But what that what that individual doesn't have, he doesn't know what the what the baseline is for other people in his similar similar lifestyle and, and similar similar place in life. And so the provider with some data can say, okay, this is where you think you're healthy, based on what I know of other people in your age, weight, and everything. These are some other things that they're work on. And let's put a plan together. Let's put a wellness plan together for you, and let's see if we can keep you on that, so that you can continue to have a healthy life and and, and that you enjoy yourself. And I think so. I think I think it's 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 it partly partly can be defined, but I think partly it's a dialogue between the between the patient and the and the provider. So when you use the word patient and the provider, we are almost assuming that a person's wellness will kick in only when at least once the person has got an ailment and they go to a hospital and then they're, they're, the whole scan is done and then they're provided their profile, personalized profile, if you will, on what will, take, what will it take for them to be uh, well. So, so basically we are saying that anyone who even wants to go through this wellness care regimen, they have to go and, and be sick at least once and then uh, this whole thing will kick off. Isn't that kind of unreasonable? I no, I don't think so. I think in some cases employers have annual physicals. You know what? The, what the employer wants is a healthy workforce. What the, what the employer wants is more labor hours per day, and so he doesn't want his employees, you know, to get ill. And so you see a lot of clinics that are based within the workplace, and one of the purposes is to keep is to keep those employees engaged and at work. Another thing they do are are these wellness checkups or these annual physicals. I think that's where the dialogue takes place, and you're seeing more insurance programs. You know, where if you have a healthy workforce, if you're a healthy employee, you actually pay less of a premium than the employee that is not as healthy. So if you're overweight and you're a smoker and you're a drinker and you got, you know, some other things going on, they'll put a program in place to help you get through that. But you, if you're, if, but if you're, if you're, if you're good at that, you'll actually enjoy as an employee a lower, a lower premium than your, than your colleague because of a healthy lifestyle. So, Fun, if you think uh, about the different views that people will have, so you provided a definition which was provided by a political uh, side, and then healthcare providers might have their own view, an individual may have its own, his or her own view, and then an institution, an employer, or an insurance company may have their own view. God bless us if all of those views are different. So, so how will there will be any coordination to basically get the end goal met? So I, I would like to, you know, I, I agree with Bert's point on uh, that there being some sort of annual process in which people are able to have some assessment of how well they're doing. A, a wellness visit, very rightly said that we have a system of sick people. We, we, we're not focused on wellness. The common factor here is measurement. You cannot improve what you don't measure. If we keep track of basic health stats, like I said, blood pressure, blood glucose, BMI, those are the things that would help people measure what their current state is, and then they can set themselves some targets on what they need to be looking at. The providers should be there to guide with specific measurements, and if there are unique conditions uh, that, that an individual is facing, we, we, we set them targets as well. But once, once this process is in place, then you focus on not getting well from an illness. You just focus on remaining well. 
the, the next step that you have to focus on is, again, monitoring on an ongoing basis. You have to set yourself goals, and then you have to measure your progress against those goals. Organizations have a role to play, but if the individual takes the charge and is provided an incentive from an organization that supports him, I think wellness will be a goal that we can set for ourselves and, and have success with. I, I agree. So, I mean, I, the incentives are, are critical. You know, in, in my view, they come in a couple of, a couple of ways. One is you can get an incentive, an incentive in order to have a lower premium. You can get an incentive because you, personally you want to be healthy. And then in my case, my wife is a pretty good incentive. I mean, she's, you know, she's an aggravator at the, at the highest level, you know, and making, making sure I stay healthy. So with that incentive that you're talking about, if the levels of incentive are different or if there is any uh, gap, then the folks may not be synchronized to the degree, and that could take this whole program spiraling down. And if you were to historically look at such programs, um, Afan, what do you think have you seen? Uh, these well, where, where, where are these wellness programs going? So the, the idea, first of all, from an organization standpoint, is to have a healthy workforce. Now, a healthy workforce results in productivity. This does not amount to the, the rising cost of care. An organization, it could be as, as big an organization as ours where we have over 40,000 people or a smaller organization. Your overall premiums are not just determined by outside factors. There are inside factors, which is the health of your organization. The organization benefits with productivity. The, the, there's an overall benefit that the cost keeps in check. Now, we here at Mercy have a program um, that we take very seriously, and um, the, the program is called Healthification. There are multiple facets to this, but the Healthification program provides a platform for poor workers to get involved. They are involved in their own care, and it's, it's a unique movement where Mercy coworkers and their families kind of, you know, come together, and, it, and everybody has something that they can take from the program. It, it focuses on a lot of activity from healthy eating, physical activity, emotional and spiritual well-being, tobacco cessation. I mean, all of these things kind of come together, and the program helps uh, the individual achieve their, their, their health goals in a fun and interactive way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, inherently everybody wants to be well, but if I tell my daughter to eat broccoli... It's a tough time, right? So, so how, what kind of challenges, uh, Bert, do you see in the incentives being even offered by institutions and, and, and even at individual level, they look like they are good enough incentives, but people are not willing to come on board? And how are those being fought? So I think, um, I, I think it, we have to answer the question. I think we're struggling with the incentives. I think we have to answer the, the, the question, what's in it for me? So what the employer wants is a healthy workforce and reduced premiums. What the employee wants is reduced premiums, all right? And what the provider wants is he wants to get paid and feel like he's done the right thing for his patient. And so getting the right incentives, your daughter with her broccoli, I bet if you gave her $5, she probably would have eaten it, you know, because the incentive was in place. And so we are struggling. We're in a transition now between sick care business and wellness. And we're trying different models out. And my fear is that when you try it um, sporadically and, 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 and disjointed, it, it's hard to take root. I, that's why you see me go to the Medicare program. I think you have to have a bold federal statement or a bold statement from the major payer in order to make it happen so that the processes are put in place. It's too piecemeal now. The doctor doesn't know whether he's going to get paid to keep you well and keep you out of his practice or whether, or whether and, he, and that's what he really wants to do. I mean, that's why they trained, 
all right? But, you know, but his incentives aren't there. He's not going to make the follow-up phone call to make sure that you've gone to see your, you know, your, uh, your specialist or got your lab result, you know, he's, I mean, because he's not, that, the incentives aren't aligned that way. At Centera, we have a similar program to Mercy. We call it Healthy Edge. And, and it's really interesting. We get measured as employees, 24 or 30,000 of us. We get measured on our, um, on our blood pressure, our cholesterol, and our body mass index. And if it falls outside of a range, we then have to take a health coach. If we take a health coach, we get the same reduction in premium as does, uh, as does the healthy employee. If you, refuel the, if you refuse to take the health coach, then you pay a higher premium. premium. The, the flaw in that, is that my insurance policy, my insurance covers my family, and my family is not included in the Healthy Edge program. So, yeah, I, I'm being taught healthy lifestyles, but we have not matured the, pro, the, the program well enough in order to offer it and to beyond the, the, the confines of our own employees. So I, it's a very, very difficult situation. So let's take a quick break. Uh, hold your thought, uh, Fawn. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's continue this discussion. It's getting interesting. Very good. Thank you. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not, because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online and use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central, phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Afan, if you were to now look at the communication that needs to happen among various entities, uh, how would that happen? But before that, I think you had a comment on the previous question. Yeah, the, the only thing I was trying to add was that, you know, there is an, uh, it is an evolution. And the evolution is that we're going from a, a system that manages uh, the, the sick patient to a system that, that's going to promote the well patient, the that there, there are incentives from accountability care to, you know, uh, other programs that, that we see coming out now. Uh, the, the only thing I would like to add is that we need to take a, a leaf out of the book of uh, a few of the more successful Western European countries where the, the wellness program really worked, where the physician system is incented to make people healthy, and I think that would have, uh, have its benefits and, and results in time. 
So, so com- yeah, your- coming back to the communications question, like the plumbing, how do we create the communication entity among the, these various entities who need to come together? Exactly. So the idea is to basically set up a platform. The platform is going to connect the providers and the patients. The portals that we see today, the systems that we see today are for sick time utilization only. I mean, you can you have these health portals where you can set up appointments, you can talk back and forth with your provider, you can order meds, you can refill prescriptions and whatnot, but that's the current state. The future state has to be different. The future is where the health portal turns from a sick time tool to a well time tool. And uh, we're planning to add these tools where we have these monitors, where we provide people measurements and metrics, and even basic things like a pedometer, you know, a calorie calculator, where somebody uses a, a tool that is connected to his healthcare system, having a meal at a restaurant, say, so, well, okay, these are the number of calories I've consumed at lunch. Maybe I need to have a lighter dinner. Maybe I need to have a few extra minutes at the treadmill. Anything that helps them um, you know, have access to be educated and be able to monitor the progress in their own wellness. Now, there are disease-specific flow sheets, questionnaires for conditions like uh, congestive heart failure, COPD, diabetes, that will all enable the patient to enter information and for the provider to, make, to be able to make more calculated, more proactive choices on how the communication can help promote better wellness. So, Bert, when when uh, we are talking about what Justifan mentioned in terms of the provider and the patient, so still it looks like we are leaving out the corporations and the healthcare insurance uh, companies because they also have a stake in it somehow. So how come they are, you know, like audience watching how a provider is going to create a portal or not create a portal? for the patient to get the, the outcome because they are providing incentives. They're doing everything in their power, but they seem to be, you know, just audience. Yeah. I think there's a, I think there's some fundamental problems with our plumbing and that is we don't have an integrated provider uh, element. So for instance, you can buy, you can buy basic applications that integrate the inpatient to the ambulatory, and they're few and far between. Very, I mean, there's only a couple of vendors out there that ever actually offer that. But you're not going to find anybody who does both inpatient, ambulatory, home care, long-term care, uh, all in one in one view. So you, where you could actually have one view of all your, say, your banking transactions. I mean, each one of those are just, you know, we've built each one of these as discrete stovepipes with their own level of technology. And the reason they have their own level of technology is because the reimbursement requirements, the federal requirements, are, and the billing requirements are different by, by, by environment. And so when you want to get one view across just the provider element, it's very, very difficult to do it with, with a, a handheld or with a mobile device. The other piece of it is you've got to take a page out of American business, and we can take a look at uh, Netflix or Amazon.com. And when you go out to Netflix and you buy a movie, uh, it comes back and says, well, other people who like that movie suggest this movie, or same with Amazon with a book or something like that. We don't have a customer relationship management system within the healthcare environment that actually gets us to recognize who the patient is and what is it that they're trying to accomplish to Afan's point, there's a, there's a lot of things about sick care, but there's not a lot of things about wellness. You can get a pedometer, but that's not integrated into your health record. The, 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 the data that's coming out of that is not put together with other data that's going on in your lifestyle to give you some suggestions as to how, how to improve yourself. So we're really disjointed at the basic level. 
and 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 so that's my that's my one sense. All right. So, Afan, if you were to look at now, basically, Bert mentioned that there is uh, something wrong with the plumbing and the plumbing has these issues. Now, how much of that is truly the infrastructure? And we also, in fact, Bert, you mentioned, interestingly, that mobility is not the best choice because we intuitively would think that mobility can actually help in getting the information anytime, anywhere to the patient. But do you think, uh, Afan, that this is not a plumbing issue, and yes, mobility can help, but it is also a data issue and what's flowing through that plumbing? Where, where, is, the, where is the choke point? So I agree that there is a plumbing issue. Mobility can help, but let's just address the plumbing issue first. The, the idea that these tools, these measurements, this data is disjointed is kind of uh, the way the setup is today. If I was to ask the question as to who owns the medical record of a patient, the, the real answer, in my humble opinion, is that the EMR company owns it because they don't want systems to talk to each other. They lose control of, of the medical record, and that's how they hold healthcare organizations hostage on, on, on keeping the medical record tight and, and, and just, you know, very, very hidden. So the idea that the plumbing is, is, is not in place is correct. It's absolutely correct. Mobilization can help, but it will not be effective unless we fix the, the issue that the data – of health, you know, a patient's healthcare data is his or her own property. It needs to be managed that way. So, how can mobilization help? I mean, mobilization would be a, a, a key driver. It will facilitate care delivery. It can promote wellness. The adoption to mobilization is a challenge on its own. I mean, the, the, it's, the adoption has a lot of roadblocks. The path to adoption, in my opinion, goes through the provider's office. I mean, I was put on to my health portal, even before joining Mercy, by my provider's office. They, they said, well, if you want to reorder meds, if you want to just send a note on how you're doing, just, just log on to this portal and you can talk to your physician and, and it's, it's easy and convenient. So it comes naturally, but if we build a suite of products that are provider-endorsed, that are driven by the provider's office, that will be, there will be better adoption. The mobilization um, should be uh, solutions that are that are that should help the physician. They should help the the care uh, provider to to facilitate the delivery of care. Uh, the the physician is the best person to sell the concept to the patient. At Mercy, we're looking at uh, mobilization as a new phase of Mercy user engagement. Mobilization solutions are a variety of things from you know, uh, PHR uh, tools and products like, you know, monitors and pedometers and calorie calculators to, you know, really uh, extensive uh, questionnaires that are driven by the physician. So what we've done is we've taken mobility and we kind of look at it in terms of four dimensions. There's patient engagement, there's population management, care delivery optimization, and then the overall brand experience and growth. And we have multiple initiatives under each. Going back to where we started, unless that plumbing issue, that the, the data within these different systems can, can come together, unless that plumbing is put in place, this will be another effort which will gain momentum but will not gain the success that we could if the data flows seamlessly. Now, Bert, like based on the discussion yet again, it looks like that we are thinking about wellness happening with a provider taking the lead role and there is a very close camaraderie between or expected camaraderie between the patient and the provider. 
do you think there is anything these outside entities who have all the incentives and also motivation to make this happen? I mean, if if you just work within yourself, then perhaps there uh, could be mistakes that we are repeating. But if you come from an outside in standpoint, maybe they they can uh, help in some form or fashion. Yeah, I think um, I think I, th- I think Evan has a really great point, and that is the relationship is between the patient and the provider. And it, what has to happen is that the provider has to be comfortable with the mobility initially in order to, in order to be the advocate to the patient. And if, if that provider element is not comfortable with it, then that patient has nowhere to go when he has a question about what's going on with his personal care. Um, and so I think I mean, you see patient-centered medical home. You see you see the doctors' offices starting to experiment with that. You see some of the large EMR companies have have portals in which you know that are being pushed to the patients. And as Afan said earlier, you know they're allowed to schedule, they're allowed to get their lab results, and and you're seeing them to become more and more what I would call navigators, where they remind the patient to do the right thing. But we have to have the integration of the other things in our life, the pedometer and everything else, so that doctor can see exactly what's going on. We have a similar situation or opportunity that Mercy does and where we're trying to develop intelligent health agents. And intelligent health agents is the personalization of your care, which takes into consideration everything that's going on in your sick care world, everything you're trying to do in your wellness world. It knows who you are and pushes to you things that you need to know in order to stay on your glide path for a healthy lifestyle. No one's ever developed that yet, and we're in the process of trying to figure out how to do that. But we think in today's generation that a handheld, your your iPhone, your mobile device, uh, is 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 going to be key to it. One of the things that we are also the insurance company, and so to your point, uh, Sanjo, that we're trying to get the insurance company to put the incentives in place to help reimburse. The, the primary care doctors in order to keep their patients well by using these type of um, mobile devices to help remind the patients what to do correctly. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, uh, let's continue this dialogue with respect to the incentivization of um, of, of, of an individual patient. And now let, let me take my own example, and that's what we'll discuss after we come back, that I have not gone to a doctor for months and I do not have a current ailment. But does that mean that I cannot be uh, doing things which are required for me to maintain that status? Or do I have to somehow go there? And when we say we go to a physical, that's the only checkpoint that we have that this is something right or not. Are there no prevention uh, related tactics we can utilize or one can utilizing leveraging mobility and where all these entities come together? How can that be accomplished? And if at all, there is any merit to it. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not. Because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online. And use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central. Phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. 
The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Afan, how about myself? being healthy, being to a doctor, say, a year ago, and they said everything looks good, I don't need to have a relationship with a doctor for him to him or her to unnecessarily give me uh, a special personalized profile when everything is normal. But I still want to be remaining well, and I would like to have such alerts or, or other form of resources available to me, which keeps me on that track. How do I accomplish that? So to just give a basic example, just imagine for a second that, that you do track your, your daily calories and the, the, the steps that you take, uh, be it while walking out on the street or, or on a pedometer uh, or with a treadmill or whatnot. If you keep track of those things in a health portal, your physician, the, the, the doctor that you registered with, will have the system that would alert if, if he sees you consuming 3,500 calories every day the system should alert the physician to say, look, there is a possibility of something going wrong. There's nothing physically wrong with this consumer, but why don't you just have a conversation, send out a message. It could be automated for all that we can uh, do with technology today. But having the system of wellness where you track your health and your day-to-day routine in a portal that's tied to your medical record is just one of the many answers. I think the consumer, the patient himself, has to take control of their own health. The provider can help. But there needs to be a mechanism of communication where your day-to-day activities are somehow linked to your medical record. That would be one step that will take you closer to having a wellness target that you can then focus on hitting. And, so, and, if you, and if you had a really good intelligent health agent, if you are into walking, if that's what you want to do, and it's being populated in your medical record, and, and, and it's heavily personalized, other things about walking can be pushed to you. So there, there could be a 5K this weekend. There could be a, you know, a, a, this kind of event. There's another to reinforce that healthy behavior within the community. So they can, what it doesn't, it can be, you know, the walking can be certainly individualized to you, but, it, but you, what you can do if you have a really, you know, smart system is it goes back out and reminds you and, and then offers you other opportunities where you can do the things that you enjoy and, and, uh, and the locations where those things are happening. So based on that, Bert, do you think if I were to envision or we were to together envision a mobility uh, ecosystem, which is centered on, of course, patient's health and everybody wants to be involved. Do you think you can stuff all those unique uh, needs and interfaces and interaction uh, on a mobile device realistically for you to get the right type of adoption and use from the very patient who you're trying to help with wellness? Uh, 
I, I think you can. I think the technology is certainly there. I think you see it in American business all the time. You see it in banking. You see it in Amazon. You see it in Netflix, where there, where a lot of the things is absolutely personalized to your preference. The system gets to know you based on the transactions that you're doing. It also knows some other things because it's importing credit card information. It's, it's importing your travel information, so it's offering you trips. Yeah, you know, you can build that kind of technical relationship within healthcare, which takes into consideration sickness, takes into consideration your population man- management, takes into consideration your own personal preferences, and then it, it pushes to you those things that it can help keep you healthy and, and coordinating all through your provider. And Afan, do you think that would be a suite of applications which have uh, separated out functionality that a person doesn't get thoroughly confused or this can all be stuffed into one cool app which kind of takes care of you? See, there will be a suite of apps, but they will be somehow connected. That's the idea that we're trying to promote, that these apps that we have put out there are connected to the medical record system, that we're not going to inundate the physician either with with a lot of data about how all of his patients and or what are the number of calories they're taking. But, you know, we would would provide a mechanism where we can gather this information and, and publish out in a way that the user doesn't get uh, he, you know, he cannot get inundated with all this information as well. We need to take the slow step of evolving and moving towards the target. It's little things, things like, you know, uh, practicing evidence-based medicine, you know, making healthcare available on a broader enterprise level to, to facilitate the delivery of care. It's uh, making, and making use of smart analytics. It's all of these things that come together to provide an answer as to what we can do. It goes back to where we started from. You know, the, the target that has to be set has to be defined by a patient and a provider, and then there needs to be monitoring on those targets. It has to be simplistic for it to work effectively. I agree. It's going to be a series of integrated apps, uh, but at the user level, uh, on your mobile device, it's, it needs to be simple and it needs to be thumbable. So all the all the all the all the big analysis, all the big 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 data analytics that go on behind it, the integration between the the, the integrated apps, the integrated to electronic medical record is all done behind the scenes. And what you get at the presentation layer is just in time information, just the things that you need to know, highly personalized, uh, to, so that you can you can you know promote your own wellness. So you use that million-dollar term, Bert, the big data, and that's mm-hmm. the next question. So if, if we were to look at saying, okay, we'll bring you that real-time, uh, very, very deep insights and also how you compare to the rest of the world, and then you be, make it like a, a mini race for that individual to be above average and, and, and a higher percentile. So all of that has to be done where the data from the source needs to be, number one, accurate. It should be collected timely. And then people who are interpreting or the engine that's interpreting, there is some some trust that we can place on it because we are, again, talking about an individual. Do you think we have reached that level of maturity in that big data technology, which when utilized on a mobile platform as the end output of the same would really uh, be, be credible and, and we can trust our lives on it? 
No, not yet. I, I think we're, we're getting, we're now just starting to understand the role of big data. And, I, and I'll give you an example of one that we're trying to play with, and that's with uh, take, bringing in data from NOAA, the, the, you know, the weather people, and looking for atmospheric conditions that, are, that, are, that would be harmful to asthma patients. And so we're watching by zip code, but based on the information that we're getting from NOAA, how the atmospheric conditions change, we then push to the mobile devices of the patients in those zip codes that have asthma that the conditions are not going to be good today, that they need to take their inhalers, they need to be very careful today. We also push to the schools, to the gym teachers, that if you have asthmatic children in your classes, that may, today may be a good day to keep them indoors. That's taking big data nationally available data, incorporating what you know locally, then pushing it out to the point where it actually creates value. And, and we're just, for at least from our perspective, we're just now trying to understand what all that means. You know, the investment, so bank, you're, the investment, the investment uh, industry has, has long understood how to take big data and, 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 and translate it into investment opportunities and, and to investment knowledge. We in healthcare have not. So while we want to do it, who's going to be uh, the guinea pig for this? Not the patients, of course, right? Because you're taking data which is in public domain, uh, and if it is utilized, and yeah, something as simple as, of course, taking uh, conditions and, and providing preventing care that you've got to carry your inhaler, that's one thing. But if you're going to tell someone to do certain things, which is uh, dependent on that person's profile plus many other people's profile, and it could trigger a lot of lawsuits if something wrong was suggested and the person acts upon it. So upon coming back to you, do you think we truly can afford to have machines rule how we live our daily lives? Uh, personally speaking, I don't think uh, we can, but machines will facilitate uh, the decision-making that we have to do. The, the question we need to ask is who's in charge of our own health care? And the answer is we are. We as consumers are responsible for our own healthcare. Our provider can help, these systems can help, the data can help, but we need to take charge of what we need to do for ourselves. The education to get the patient focused will come from tools like big data, like provider portals and all of these other things. Today we struggle with this. We struggle because you know we know what we can do in terms of uh, you know doing evidence-based medicine, being doing predictive analysis, having enterprise data for healthcare quality reporting, the decentralized open integration for data, all of these things that we can do are, are real, but the focus is not on, uh, on solutions. We need to make wellness and the use of these applications be incentive for you know, healthcare providers, healthcare organizations to be focused on delivering these solutions. I think the, the answer truly lies in the reduction of overall healthcare cost and using wellness as a mechanism for getting there. So, so a couple of points. One is I, um, I think that um, the, the computers will not treat. I mean, they, they, they are, they're not going to, I mean, we're, people are working with Watson from IBM to see whether they get Watson to be, you know, to do medical diagnoses. I think initially it can be there as a reminder to doctors. It can be there to prompt doctors, to give doctors alert, to give them more current information. But nothing at the moment is going to replace the critical thinking skills of a good provider. So the machines are there strictly in a support role at this particular point. I, I agree that the ultimate responsibility for, for wellness is 
the individual. So I can push an alert to your phone that says the weather conditions are bad today. Take your inhaler. But if you don't listen to it and you don't do it, that responsibility is yours. If I remind you that you're overweight, that I remind you that you needed to exercise, and you don't do it, or you didn't take your insulin, and you refuse to do it, that's ultimately your responsibility. And that tells me then that the incentives are not right or, or your education is not right. I mean, we didn't, we're, not, we're not getting through to you. So coming back to mobility, Bert, don't you think that when someone knows that whatever is being pushed out to them in terms of a trigger and they still don't act upon it or they don't give a signal back sure. that I actually did it, it could be directly proportional to the usability and the, the uh, basically usability of that application or that mobile device, whatever way you're trying to capture that data. You don't want to have somebody stop and start typing something. Maybe you've got to create an advanced mobile set of devices which would have more sensor orientation in terms of data capture versus somebody typing away because then you can also attribute things like human error where somebody would send back a wrong uh, input, which could trigger a totally different set of recommendations for that person, and 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 they could be doomed in that. Uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. As mu- much Bluetooth capability, much interoperability with other devices is going to be essential to it. Absolutely. The other thing too is I think that as you as we introduce the mobility factor, and I fail to t- you know to do my insulin, or I fail to do a healthy behavior, and the system knows that, I think in the back of all this is going to be a human who picks up the phone and goes, "Hey, Bert." I notice you're not taking your insulin, or you're not you're not doing your prescription refills here. What's what's going on with this particular? You know, you need to have this drug to lower your blood pressure. What's going on, Bert? Are you are you having a side effect, or or is it not convenient? Do you, would you rather me mail order it to you? What what is exactly going on? Because we agreed that this was going to be a healthy behavior that that you wanted to do, and you're not taking your meds. So I think somewhere in the, in the early stages of this, when when the systems recognize that you're not following the agreed upon guidelines, someone probably not the doctor, but some sort care management case manager is going to or life coach if you will is going to pick up the phone to help to help get me back on track because human to human machines are great but human to human social networking is is you know is always key let's take a quick break listeners when we come back afan i'd like to further extend that conversation about mobility we have been talking about smart devices which means that okay you can interact with them you can use application and we did speak about a few mobile applications which would help in this wellness care but and and again we did speak about the uh, the touch points or the way a person can provide data back to the provider or wherever this data is going in order for them to be able to act on it and give you even more more advice so do you think the mobility is not only limited to what applications you build but what kind of devices you carry do you think we will we are in for some innovation where these pdas will transform transform also into another mobile device so means everything in one unit or you will be forced to carry yet another one and which will again make adoption more difficult so where are we going with that evolution of the very device which will allow wellness care to really become a reality please stay tuned we'll be right back Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not, because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online and use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at RingCentral.com. 
The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Jog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Jog All. All right, uh, upon... Uh the question again is about the device that we are using. So yes, you can push all the applications in there, but we want to capture appropriate data and things are going to become more and more sophisticated going forward. But do you expect us to enable mobility by just using these vanilla smart devices that we have today, or you want to, uh, you, you can envision some, some evolution here as well? So we can, and I'd like to start by, by listing a couple of the barriers to technology at a time that we're, we're about 10 years out from colonizing Mars, and, and we're doing all of these fascinating things. In this day and age, a physician today cannot take a picture of a rash and send it to a fellow doctor as a text image and say, can you look at this and tell me, there, the, you know, what do you think? There are, there are definite barriers to the use of technology. Uh, a good understanding of how we can use uh, and be in compliance with HIPAA regulation, privacy rules, and whatnot. You know, we need to have an understanding of those those barriers that are standing in our way. A culture to facilitate the electronic interface for physicians, the digitization of the the patient records, and and redefining the business processes in the in the clinicians' uh, domain is going to help. Now, these technologies, these devices, they will come together. What we've done is that we've put together a three-year strategic plan for mobilization. The prioritization is driven by value. Now, when we determine value for an application, a mobile app, or a device, we need to score them from different perspectives. There could be a provider perspective, a, a patient perspective, an end user or a future consumer perspective, and we bring those things together. The evolution for mobilization is, is in progress. We're noticing a trend People are moving away from the more traditional native apps, and they're going towards the, the more hybrid solutions because there's just so many operating systems, and every one of them has multiple versions. The idea that we have to be agile enough to evolve with lessons learned and adopt based on industry needs is what's going to take place. So the collaboration of all these, all these uh, data touch points and making an application that's built with the southwest.com or the, the kayak-type user experience where you keep the user engaged. That's, I think, what, what the future uh, intends to be. We plan to, you know, repeat this personalized end-user experience, have a persona for a, for a patient and, and give them a user-centric approach that is simple and relevant, that is engaging and very intuitive and adds value that allows people to engage and adopt technology and enables them to provide and collaborate with, with their providers and with targets that are known and defined. Those are the kind of goals that will help us achieve the, the wellness targets that we have defined and talked about. 
I so think, Bert- um, yeah, I think, um, I think a couple of things. One is um, the standard for mobility has already been set. So from a consumer's perspective, it has to be Apple and Google-like. They're not going to tolerate carrying yet another independent device to do that. Now, they may have wearable monitoring devices for different behaviors that they're doing, like a pedometer or something like that. But we have to develop this mobility applications in the context of what is in American business and what's in American society. And so, um, and I've got to tell you, the traditional... um, EMR vendors, healthcare IT vendors, are not that sophisticated. They are transaction-based. They are not very creative when it comes to using mobile technology and, and, and what's in American business today. And, and their technologies are provider-focused. And so, uh, you know, to Afan's point, what we have to – the trick to us is to educate, engage, and empower our consumers. That's the trick. And, and Afghan said engage, and, and, and I would add empower to that as well. All right, so just a minute each, starting with you, Fun. The size of these initiatives that we are looking at and uh, the way the things are going, what do you think we should be looking at going forward so that there is a wellness uh, plan properly put in place? Yes, mobility will be utilized as one of the ways to deliver it, but overall, how are we going to achieve wellness care? I think we need to make the the communication channels a little more open and may have clear, concise uh, targets for for our consumers. We need to explain to them how using a mobile app is going to help. Not that the mobile app is the target. The target is wellness. How engaging and then be able to kind of evolve over time. If there there are things with an app that, that, you know, people are finding difficult to use or whatnot, you kind of evolve and fix those things. So making the targets be more visible, be more uh, accessible, having open dialogue, and then monitoring for measurements and targets that are set between patients and providers, having apps that are more engaging and relevant, and they're simple. Those are the things that will help us make the wellness uh, roadmap a little more palatable. Technology can help. Technology is a driver, but it's not the end, is not the target. The target is the wellness of the patient. The providers can help, technologies can help, patients need to take control and have the, the better tools available for them to, to achieve their goals. Bert? Yeah, well, I, you know, for wellness to be successful, sort of we're going back to where we are at the top of the hour, you know, the, the reimbursement model has to change, and I think the federal government needs to take the lead in that. The incentives got to be put in place, although we're experimenting, uh, for the individual for the payer and for the employer. I think that needs to be built out. And then we have to have the technology solutions. And typically, in most healthcare provider-based organizations, we are not development shots. We're, we're third-party turnkey, where we buy software from third parties and implement it and integrate it. So the source of the technology is either going to be our EMR vendors and or it's going to be a new suite of companies, Google-like companies that stand up to see the opportunity because healthcare is 25% of the GMP, and they want to get in that piece of the business. So we have to find, you know, uh, third-party, you know, uh, software developers who will stand up to recognize the, the opportunity in healthcare. Generally, what the problem is there is that the sales cycle is so long in healthcare that most stock companies have trouble you know, forecasting sales, technology sales within the healthcare world. Uh, not, not, not so much on CAT scanners and MRIs, but on application-type software, technical software. So I think we got to – I think 
and, and reimbursement incentives and technology are the three ingredients. And then we have to educate, engage, and empower our consumers. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Fawn and Bert, for sharing your thoughts about how mobility can be leveraged and, of course, other things have to be changed to achieve wellness care. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Now, again, uh, listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Please uh, send us your thoughts if you have uh, any questions or comments to views at ciotalkradio.com. That is views at ciotalkradio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanchok All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy.